Marvel is the top dog, but here comes Sony. Also, don't count out the DCEU just yet, and comics have taken over going to the movies, but how do the adaptations hold up? Today on The Minute. And hello, hello, hello. Once again, my name is Sam, and you are listening to another episode of The Minute. Today we have a special guest on the program. Um, We have local artist and comic aficionado, Dave Bain. Hey, thanks, Sam. Happy to be here. And today we are talking all about comics, and that's why we got you over here. So let's start at the top. And the top for me is, uh, you know, just like, I, I find it awfully coincidental that, you know, like we haven't seen any real promotion for Avengers Endgame until, what was it, a week ago the trailer dropped? Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there? Right. And that's just as all this Aquaman hype is starting to blow up. And I say that because I recall last year, Marvel kind of did a similar thing. It's It looks a lot like a middle finger from the outside, but... Ultimately, what happened is they just they dropped Punisher the same day that Justice League hit theaters. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I don't know how much of, uh, you know, the Marvel marketing team, you know, coincides with it, with how Netflix kind of plays things out. I'm sure there's, you know, some some behind closed doors kind of stuff going on. But um, I feel like it's a lot more uh, interesting to see the length that Marvel will go to because uh, what, um, you know, Endgame doesn't drop for at least six months. Oh, I mean, no, no. They actually moved the uh, the date up with that last trailer. Oh, I'm sorry. It, go it ahead. was going to come out in May. Now it's coming out at the end of April. Okay. So, you know, still somewhat within that timeline, but I think DC's, you know, kind of painted themselves into a corner to a certain degree in that they're shoehorning as much Aquaman stuff out there in order to try and cleanse the palate of the Justice League and of Justice League was bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll stick up for parts of Batman versus Superman, but Justice League was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could get into the the nuances of of how bad they are. Oh, and we we probably will both agree. Yeah, they they were bad. So yeah, in order to show this kind of shinier, newer happier dc oh for that, sure uh, the press is, is the press releases have, have really given us as much very fun colorful and yeah very colorful the palette is all there very big like new world yep yeah one that you're not used to seeing right and and one that's kind of going to leave everything that they've already built canaan wise in in the you know the dc movie uh, world behind. Yeah, you think so, they're going to be? You think they're going to be able to pull it off? I mean, it's already making a lot of money over in China. Oh no, I think I think it'll be very successful. Um, obviously, you know, Jason Momoa over the last shoot, what three years has has become iconic. Oh um, yeah, yeah, his his career has really blown up. Yeah, and uh, you know that that's got to be fantastic just as an actor. But uh, I think, um, you know, the tongue in cheek uh, meme I saw today was the uh, the Aquaman poster. And instead of saying Aquaman, uh, it was entitled Wet Thor. And uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one that one uh, made me made me giggle. It, so uh, it, it does have uh, like shades of Ragnarok in, in terms of like tone and feel. Sure, like yeah. I could see that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think oftentimes when we we look at these uh, comic book movies, um, you know, the first installment always has to deal with the origin and how you can make that effective and tell a story within it as right. opposed to just yeah, you got to set your guy up you can't yeah. just mm-hmm. un- unless it's spider-man and we've seen it done twice right in the- so in a in a 
kind of 180 degree turn, DC has has kind of changed things by giving us Aquaman. Now this will be the third time they give us Aquaman. Well, you get without, you, only, you only get a glimpse in a BVS, right? And even in the Ultimate Edition, which uh, which I I. It's a much better cut of the movie, but even in that, it has that metahuman scene, which is just shoehorned in and terrible. And oh, serves, shit. Serves no purpose yeah. other than to just establish that, hey, we have a whole universe that we're building, guys. Get right. excited. Well, and I just, yeah, I mean, within that. Then one know, of those movies was Justice League. Right. Well, you know, and, and I mean, that's got its own repercussions as well but it, i mean it's really nice for lex luthor to give everybody a logo yeah. so when uh yeah. when, when bruce can find Whatever the his file. graphics department is. yeah 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 he, he hires the all the best guys all the best guys um everybody says <laughs> and then there's this there's this kind of these weird moments in uh you know when bruce discovers aquaman and and uh that kind of thing where they make it seem like he's you know uh, trapped in the the you know the tundra of uh, whatever this this you know kind <laughs> no of Norwegian it. yeah this Norwegian uh, country and uh, you know goes from you know uh, on a on a, a G six to having a full beard while searching you know the the country oh, yeah. for this guy uh, I, oh yeah yeah and that's but that's another point is like there's a lot of there's a lot of a, a lot about that movie that just doesn't work <laughs> but. But using that, carrying it into Aquaman, it's the third time we're going to see Jason Momoa on the screen as Aquaman. Do you think that any of that negativity from the past movie, do you think, it, from the marketing, I think that we're good. Like, it, it looks like a fresh take. Do mm-hmm. you think any of that negativity is going to carry over at all, or do you think it's going to be able to just do what it does regardless? Well, I, I think you're going to lo- always lose, you know, a percentage of, you know, this this fan demographic that, that uh, you know, falls into a, a smaller demographic of, of the comic book of, people in, in the comic book fandom and, and, and things like that. But again, to uh, the momentum behind Momoa and, you know, his Game of Thrones appearances and, and things like that. Is, oh, yeah. He was well, a very popular character from Game of Thrones. Right. Well, the, far. The track here, fun to watch. Right. And, and I think those things will far outweigh a couple of angry guys that are like, well, I'm just giving up on, on you know, the Boycott DC universe. The DCEU. Right. Right. I, that's I, a thing. Right. And, you know, as a, as a comic book fan, I... I always want characters to do well. Right. You know, I always want companies to do well. Like right. I didn't want a bad Batman versus Superman movie because I like Marvel movies better. Yeah, we didn't no. want we didn't want a bad Catwoman Catwoman movie. Oh, <laughs> right. Catwoman. Catwoman. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't want that to be bad. We wanted no. it to be good. No, how I mean, yeah, you throw Halle Berry and Sharon Stone in their prime perhaps oh, yeah. on on the screen, you don't think you're going to get something bad. Yeah, it was, it's like how do you how do you not win? Right. But they they did. But but uh, uh furthermore like I think you're right. I think that enough people out there, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, just sure this, your, your buddy, like he, he did something rotten to you, but he's your buddy and you mm-hmm. want to, you want to forgive him. And if yeah. he's, and, and if he's turning over a new leaf with Aquaman, you want to, you want to welcome him back with open arms. Sure. And I, I think that it definitely is that kind of an issue, but how about like, because not only does DCEU look, look like it's brightening up. Cause I mean, after that you got Shazam, which looks totally different from anything else that they've done. And then yes. you got the sequel to Wonder Woman, which up to right now has been the most well-received thing that they've put out. Which is, I mean, again, in my humble opinion, a second watching of Wonder Woman left me not as excited about how 
people perceived it and mm. how good they think it is because I don't know if it's good. Well, I mean, like, I, I do think that movie's good. I enjoy the movie whenever I watch it, but the the asterisk that I always attach to that is that it has the uh, the problem that a lot of super a lot of super mov- superhero movies have this problem. Um, it's when they get to the third act, there's just, like, the big CGI boss fight. Sure. And Deadpool 2 kind of points a finger at that and, you know, right. just, just calls it what it is and makes a joke out of it, which what? I don't know if that forgives it for doing it. But... That's it's a common problem. Like yeah. you kind of have to learn to look past it. Like Black Panther has the same problem. Yeah. Well, and it, also a good movie. In, Very good movie. In Wonder Woman, in particular, like you know, after the second and third viewing, her ability to do something in one scene seems like it. It's impossible in in the next scene. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's hurtling from building to building, and you know, stopping all these these things. And of course, they want you know, these higher ranking villains to, to put the character and the hero in distress so you can, you know, feel that sensation of, oh, is she going to win? Well, yeah, yeah. you know, in the back of your head, you always know she is. I mean, but, we know how the story is going to go. Right. And I've said this before, and, and, you know, not that I'm shitting on Wonder Woman, but um, I've seen that movie before, and it was uh, Steve Rogers. And I, I, I already... That's specifically why they said it World War One instead of World War Two, <laughs> because I, I've seen this film before. I, I, I mean, if I if I recall correctly, it's mm-hmm. uh, her her canon is actually World War Two. That's yeah, whenever that course. that story happens. Speaking of adaptations, right? And um, and yeah, they made it World War One because they wanted to differentiate it from Captain America: The First Avenger. And I'm not that sure that's good enough. Yeah, but I mean, I, but, but I mean, you know, we can agree to disagree. I still enjoyed it. Um, does yeah. that does that like hinder any kind of hype you might have had for Wonder Woman 1984 being a thing? To a degree, because I, I, Patty I Jenkins is coming back to do that one too. I, right. I mean, well, it, actually, they like already came back. They're doing it now. Is there is there a reason we need to do period pieces with these characters? Uh, just to flesh out the backstory, because she's been around for X amount of time, so it's just like explaining what she's been doing to a degree, which is completely and terribly difficult to do when you look back at, at Batman vs Superman and how you know, baffling it is that no one recognizes this woman. Like this secret picture is the only thing that ever exists. Right. And, and you know, in, in the, even in the day and age of War One, you could tell me a story about, you know, Not my whatever, guess. Hans Schnitzel that, that killed, you know, 50 guys or something like that. Like, no, like, no, you know, no I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, but I think that like, they're just taking as many steps away from that as they can. Like, I think that's kind of what Aquaman's meant to do. It's like, yeah, they're the same actors, but we're just going to just kind of forget about all of that. All right. And, and obviously we're, now we're with just gonna drop it. Amy Adams not coming back. Oh, it, but it makes sense. Right. Like, I mean, she's a, she's an accomplished actress. Like, mm-hmm. like if she's wasting her time, then she, she right. she's better off going somewhere else and doing something that she probably cares more about. Right. And, and Ben and Jim aren't coming back. So, and that, yeah, yeah, with Ben, definitely makes sense. He's another one of those guys, like, like as hyped as he was when he got cast, and I'm, as much as I like his portrayal of Batman, just you could tell, like, pretty much right after Batman versus Superman dropped, he was just like, I just, you, I got to get out of this. What do you like about it? What do you like about I think he, I think he plays the duality Batman. very well. Like, do uh, you? Like, with the past Batmans, I'm not even going to mention Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll get more into that later. Well, a little bit, anyways. But... But with Michael Keaton, I love his Batman. Don't buy his Bruce Wayne. With uh, with with Chris Nolan and Christian Bale, I really like his Bruce Wayne, and I'm not as into his Batman. And with with Ben Affleck, like I believe him in both roles. I mm-hmm. believe him when he's Batman. I believe him when he's Bruce Wayne, and I appreciate that. Okay, and and I think then we're perhaps on on the you know 
two sides of the coin is I think any guy of that stature or whatever, you can put in the bat suit and be Batman. But when you want to sell me the character, it comes down to their portrayal of Bruce Wayne. And no one has done it better than Bale. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I think he was the best Bruce Wayne. Right. And I don't. Not as into his Batman. I, I think he is the best Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I don't like Affleck's Bruce Wayne. Well, Doesn't do enough. it for me. But Fair enough. Yeah. He, was also in a, he was also in some not terribly good movies. Um, I don't know. Like maybe if he had more to work with. But in any case, like the other hat that's being thrown into this ring is now Sony, which right. mm-hmm. which nobody had any faith in after the Amazing Spider-Man two, with mm-hmm. good reason. They they've just made all the money with Ven- with Venom. We were talking earlier about how neither of us can believe how much money Venom's right. made. It's about eight fifty right now. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And what was do you know uh, top of your head production budget on that? What do you think? Maybe two hundred. Oh, not even, not yeah. even. It was somewhere in the somewhere in the neighborhood of like eighty to hundred, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um. So yeah, like, and, and speaking of, because I mean, like the first three Spider-Man movies, like the Sam Raimi series, mm-hmm. those were making like upwards of seven, eight hundred million. Mm-hmm. Um. But they cost more to make too. Right. Like so, in terms of how much it costs to make this movie versus how much it's made, it's the the profit margin is insane. Like the profit ratio is insane. Mm-hmm. Um. It just makes it even crazier. Not only that, um, Into the Spider-Verse, which just recently came out. Now, you've not gotten a chance to see that yet. I have not. Um, I did get to go see it. Um, like our, our buddy Aaron, he saw it. He did a review of it, uh, said great things about it, and he's right because this movie is incredible. And that made $35 million in its opening weekend. And it's probably going to make more just by word of mouth. Um, we can talk about animations and how they do at the box office whenever they're not specifically for kids animations. Right. But that's a whole other conversation. But the fact is, is like, like Venom made all the money. Spider-Man Into the, into the Spider-Verse is a creative accomplishment. Now Sony's got to be taken seriously in the world of superheroes and movies. Sure. Sure. Um, them going out and making this big ensemble animation movie and, you know, not necessarily that the numbers need to support it, but from the the fans, I think them staying true to or homaging the canon of, you know, the different aspects of Spider-Man. When when you bring in Scott Shaw's 1984 creation of, like, Spider-Ham and and have, you know, a Peter Porker reference in it, and, like, that is the right way to tip your hat to the guys that have gone and grinded these characters out for years. Oh, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I really think you're going to enjoy this movie whenever you, you get around to uh, being able to see it. Um, wait, you're waiting for Christmas Sprite to take your kids, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's great. I'm sure they'll like, I'm sure they'll love it too. Um, also, how long do we get a Spider-Gwen movie? We know it's going to happen. <laughs> I want to see it. But, but seriously, like this, it's up there with like in terms of creativity and in terms of just gen, genuine goodness. Mm. It's up there with the first two Spider-Man movies, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and this this officially makes Sony like, okay, well now we're taking you seriously again. Like, right. Like even though like I don't think Venom was a very good movie, it wasn't Fantastic Four, Josh Trank bad mm-hmm. by any means. Yeah. It just wasn't particularly good. It was okay. It was all right. It was fun enough, but. They've now shown that they can make money um, using these characters, and they don't need Spider-Man to do it. Right, and I think they should they should be able to run with that on either the big screen or the small screen or the streaming screen, uh, and and carry that momentum. Um, you know, not that voice actors are necessarily easier to come by, but you don't have to have 
Tom Hardy's face exactly. to play, you know, Miles Morales. You can you can cast that guy correctly and you know make him work for the next twenty years as long as he can still make the make the voice exactly. And and so I would like them to you know turn their their sights towards doing that because. Well, it should, it should be said the uh, that one of the guys behind the Lego movie is um, one of the producers on this movie, mm-hmm. and I think that that's definitely had a lot to do with it. Just like those guys hit home runs pretty much every time. True story. Um, and kind of come and, and on so many platforms. I don't know how much uh, Lego has in control or if they just designed such a team, but just kind of touch base on their uh, video game platforms, their ability to build stories within. The story mm-hmm. and still have playability, I think, is a reflection of, of that same kind of oh, mentality. Yeah. Like, like Sony as a Sony as a company, like I mean, uh, there there was the there was the data breach a few years back. But aside from that, Sony as a company is you know definitely a competent company. Mm-hmm. But there was there was reason to question like the the movie division, um, just in terms of just some of the stuff that it had made. Like 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 for instance, just for comparison. The same, like like Sony made Into the Spider Verse. They also made the Emoji Movie. <laughs> well, um, are you are you still gaining the same same demographic out there, and, and how much are you putting into it? Well, I mean, I don't I don't know like what their ultimate game plan is. I, I just uh, I'm just happy to see that the quality is there with Spider Man right. Into the Spider Verse. Um, and based on I believe Amy Pascal, she uh-huh. uh, recent recently she implied that. The intention is for Spider-Man to stay within the in, in the MCU for the foreseeable future, right? Which means probably more movies, like past the uh, deal that they have right now. I believe that they get a Spider-Man trilogy plus his appearances in the Avengers movies. So I mean, like that's great news for all the Spider-Man MCU fans. I am definitely one of those people. Let's backtrack for just one second on you know something that you said, and I was I was kind of mulling over as well is is what are they trying to achieve and what is the end game when it comes to a character like venom now i you know the the big wig sitting in the office and counting the money guy says oh well shit we just made 850 million dollars that's that's great yeah so we're so we're getting more of those right well you would think but does tom hardy really want to continue to play this character like not that he's well, he is. He's he is way more accomplished than I think, with the exception of Robert Downey Jr., than anybody in the Marvel universe. Oh yeah. So does he want to do well, uh, Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel? She, yeah, she's an Oscar winner. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's that's true. But I just don't feel like she has the portfolio that even Hardy that's, has. That's true. You know, um, I think we've seen plenty of actors and actresses that have have had one performance that you know, has won them an Oscar and then they've fallen off the, the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's great that Adrian Brody was in the piano, but he was also in Predators and that was garbage. Yes, it was. You know what I mean? So There hasn't and, been a good Predator movie since Predator 2 and only that one was technically good. And I don't know if there's been a good Adrian it's Brody really, movie. really, not good, but I love you it. You know. But, but, this is, but this is true. Um, that's probably the most relevant point that you can make in terms of the future of Venom. I'm sure that he'd come back for a sequel, but we'll see about being a part of a universe. But that is Sony's endgame. Sony looks over at Marvel and they see this big cinematic universe that they have going on. And they say, I want one of those too. Right. And they're trying to do this without Spider-Man. And if Venom is any indication, it might have just been because Tom Hardy was in it. Um, uh, it. It seems like one shot, one kill. There's not enough there to continue the development of Venom and that because the actor's quality is a higher caliber. Yes. Yes. And he's he's one of he's one of the uh, better actors out there today like he, easily. Right. 
And it, I mean, people are getting nervous already. There's articles that have been published. It is the comic book uh, or, or big time comic book Marvel DC universe bubble going to pop? And when is that going to end? Well, based on the based on the views that the Avengers Endgame trailer got, I don't think that we're close to it yet. I mean, it it I believe that the that the Infinity War trailer held the held the record for most views in a twenty four hour time span, and mm-hmm. then Endgame broke that record. I can I can completely believe that. So so I, I think that I think that we are still just in the thick of it for right now, and I think that you know making that point, it's uh, it's time to move on, and this kind of goes into what I. Uh, I got to do right here. Right on. I'm still Sam, but I'm hashtag just saying. Let's go back, way back, like 10 years back, all the way back to 2008. Not only was the second entry of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy about to redefine what a comic book movie could be, but the second and arguable actual start to the greatest experiment in all of cinematic history was about to quietly but surely make Tony Stark a household name. Actually, let's go a little bit farther back. Seven years prior to all this, Sony took on a huge gamble by way of letting a traditionally lower-budget auteur filmmaker named Sam Raimi, known primarily for the Evil Dead and Darkman series at the time, take the reins of the first big-screen live-action summer blockbuster to star possibly the most popular superhero character of all time. In fact, let's go back one more year. Fox was itching to make use of some of its acquired IP, so they recontextualized what had, at the time, enjoyed its most popular run as a kids' TV mainstay in the neon-colored 1990s and turned it into a bona fide, just-enough-real-world-feeling just universe of its own. One that's still going on today, mind you, even if we do have an expiration date. They also made some, some Fantastic Four movies, but we don't need to talk about those. Now, back to the present. Or at least how we see it in late 2018. The DCEU may well be on their way to releasing three, that's right, three well-received movies in a row by way of Aquaman, Shazam, and Wonder Woman 1984. Sony, after years of eating its own tail, seems to have found a way to make money without a live-action Spider-Man, and the on-the-surface throwaway concept of the Avengers, but it's a cartoon, and they're all Spider-Man kind of, and the movie that they made out of that is deservedly one of the best-reviewed films of the year. And then we have Papa Marvel who not only made one of the biggest cultural statements of the decade with Black Panther, but the 10-year buildup that started way, way back in 2008, technically with The Incredible Hulk, but really with Iron Man, was kicked off with probably my favorite comic book flick of the year, in Avengers, but it's actually the story of Thanos. Deadpool 2 was also really good. Not great, but really very good. What I'm saying is, we've come a long way from Batman and Robin and the Bat Nipples, the nipples that single-handedly stopped any chance of any of this happening in the 90s, and now, in the span of less than two decades, we've seen the world of comic book movies go from being huge risk gambles that could humiliate the entire studio if it doesn't work, to being surefire hits, even when the movie is bad. See Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2, the first two Thors, Venom, Fight Me, Venom is not a good movie, but all those except the first Thor made north of $600 million. Hell, Justice League made $670 million, and that was considered a failure because it was called Justice League and didn't crack a cool billion. The game has been changed. The movie landscape looks vastly different now than it did 20 years ago, and comic book movies led by Papa Marvel is why. But hold your horses, folks. Before we start cheering about how we finally took over the mainstream because superheroes are popular now, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the most successful film franchise of all time, let's consider the cons. Movies that aren't guaranteed to make about a half billion at the box office will still get made as long as people have stories to tell and a drive to make movies, but their prominence and visibility are definitely at at an all-time low. 
Sure, there's plenty of us who don't mind too much as long as we can go see Endgame two or three times in the theaters, but let's try to be aware of the climate that we're cultivating. Plenty of dramas and comedies seem to be more and more finding their way to home streaming services via Hulu, Amazon, or Netflix and chill, and you know what? Maybe that's not a bad thing. Lord knows I like to just stay home and watch a new release sometimes. This has kind of turned into a public service announcement of sorts. So I guess I'm just going to wrap this up. This is where we are and how we got here. Let's all be thankful we might get to see a Deadpool, Wolverine, Captain America, big screen team up relatively soon, but also not forget to enjoy some art that doesn't have a superhero in it every now and then. My name is Sam, and I'm hashtag just Sam. So that's going to bring us to our uh, our last topic for the evening. Um, and that's, that's, that's your real expertise and the real reason that I got you over here. <laughs> and that is comic book adaptations in general. Just the ones that have already been done, the ones that we kind of can see coming a little bit. From a comic aficionado such as yourself, mm-hmm. what are some of the ones that are particularly successful in how they were translated? How about some that weren't so successful? <laughs> Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, just start with dark phoenix and uh talk a little a little about that because um i didn't think uh dark phoenix was actually gonna get released um i uh, was uh, it, it hasn't actually come out yet they just bumped the trailer out uh what last monday uh, yeah so, something like that right. something like that but uh so but nonetheless with um you know the 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 fall of the marvel netflix shows um, you know, Dark Phoenix has uh, obviously in complete and uh, if not just in minor post-production. And then, uh, you know, yeah, on they, the keep, same... they keep going back for reshoots. Okay. That, like there's, there's been more than one reshoot, which right. is kind of strange. And then I'm going to parlay this into to something else. Um, as far as Dark Phoenix goes, uh, <laughs> it's a weird balance of looking at what comic book creators have done over you know, 50, you know, almost now uh, 60 years with, with the X-Men. So in order to set these stories up, pay homage to the characters and the creators and give us something that you have to compress into the two, two and a half hour format, it uh, seems very roll of the dice. Um, now, we, we've seen it be very effective. Uh, I, I, we could talk about the Nolan films and how much... Um, the writing of that played into uh, Frank Miller's depictions in, uh, especially Batman Year One, when we look at, at Batman Begins. Batman Begins for yeah. sure. And and to look at at the artist's work when you when you talk about um, uh, a guy like David Mazzucchelli, um, David Mazzucchelli was the illustrator on uh, the Penciler and Inker on Batman Year One, and uh, his ability to find drama in depictions uh, was was very cinematic. And uh, I mean, you can almost flip through that book and pull scenes uh, directly from the movie, as if he storyboarded it or vice versa. You know, um, well, that, I, that sort of visual filmmaking just works, right? Um, like, like the like the MCU does it a lot. You know, like in Civil War, like the the just that famous shot, right? You know, Tony and Steve. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, Sam Raimi was able to to pull some of that too. Where uh, oh, for sure, you know, dropping like on the 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 suit and the trash can. Yeah, the the coattails of Todd McFarlane and having this this, you know, uh, surprisingly gymnastic and flexible Spider Man to you know spin around the screen and things like that. And then, um, yeah, the the garbage can scene, obviously, uh, you know, taken from. Uh, uh, that aspect, and then even the early Steve Ditko work, um, who was the original penciler on uh, Spider-Man, 
there's a epic moment where Spider-Man has to to raise this you know giant concrete broken building off of his back and, right. and, and they, they do that in homecoming mm-hmm. yeah and that those those moments of of key feeling whether you were you know a 12 year old reader or a, or a 20 year old reader or whatever when you you legitimately feared for the character again because you didn't know what was going to happen to, to spider-man you know you didn't know that the, you know Gwen stacy was going to crack her head open and there was these and and that's, internal feelings and, and humanity to, to uh on that note just gwen stacy that's um that that's another example of of a movie taking uh taking an event from the comics and trying to have it play out in their movie but it doesn't work and that's amazing spider-man too correct yeah yeah so so what do you what do you think about those amazing spider-man movies even maybe a little bit of spider-man 3 Spider-Man Three was was the result of a lot of like studio meddling. Uh, uh, I do know that. Whereas the first two, they just kind of let Sam Raimi make the movie that he made. Right. It, when we talk about Spider-Man Three, it's really, you know, we, we laugh and joke about how bad Joel Schumacher ruined that Batman franchise. Um, it's like, yeah, you think but, Batman Forever's bad? Well, I'll do you one better. Here's Spider-Man Three, and it's even shittier. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it, and then really, really confusing and really lost. Uh, target with with what you know made these films both interesting to fans and interesting to the general know, movie the goers. general movie public because that's you know? that's ultimate, ultimately what it comes down to right. it's like of course you're going to get an awful lot of us diehards but right the but, average shows not that and you want them in the theater too yeah yeah now the one that i'm excited about that I, I i need to hear more about is uh the hollywood take on the new mutants now if you've seen a little bit of this trailer or, or anything like that they have created a mutant horror story here. And oh yeah, we've talked about it on the show. Oh, I, I, um, it's a it's a clusterfuck that's going on behind those scenes. See, that's, they they made a complete movie. They cut the movie. I don't know if it was a final cut or what stage it was in, but the mm-hmm. studio came back to them and said, "Hey, here's the thing: superhero genre genre pieces are working, so make it a horror movie." Right. So they they went back for reshoots. These reshoots involved adding a complete new character that wasn't in the first shoot. Like at all, they mm. completely wrote in a character and had to shoot scenes around it and to right. insert into this movie that was already made. Um, then I think they went back for more reshoots after that. Both Dark Phoenix and New Mutants have underwent a litany of behind-the-scenes issues in production. Yeah, that's and that's that's unfortunate. It looks like you know these movies are going to get gutted and and re put together. And again, like Justice League happened to Justice exactly, League. Exactly. Thank but, you. But I, I don't know how how good Justice League would have been. Zack Snyder's uh, original cut. I mean, you know, like it probably would have been better than what we got, but I don't know. We'll never see it. So. No, no. And and we might never see New Mutants. I, I don't know. Yeah, we might not see New Mutants. Like, like I'm, I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I believe Dark Phoenix whenever it says what its release date is. I think it's like in, in May now or something like that. Um, like, like, we'll see when we get to May if they feel like actually dropping it. But... New Mutants, they haven't said anything about that in, God, I don't know how long. And and just to reiterate my, myself, I know I've said it before, that movie was supposed to come out this previous March. Yeah, and, and I wonder if it'll fall into the category of um, this kind of uh, lost Ark of the Covenant to a degree where, you know, when when I first started going conventions and, and uh, paying attention more, where the um, Fantastic Four movie that was shot in... Yep. Uh, you know, 89-ish, yep. I think. Um, That's one of those, those holy grails. Right. Holy like, grails of badness. Yeah, and you could, you know, you'd find some pirated copy on, on VHS or, or you know, that kind of thing. Who knows that, that this New Mutants one might end up, 
you know, on this like downloadable internet content from, I don't know, some black site or, or whatnot. Yeah. You know? I mean, like I'd be willing to sit through that one just because it seems like it is going to be fantastic four level bad, like Josh Trank, fantastic four. Cause that was a, that was a garbage fire. I went, oh, yeah. I went and saw that just because I needed to see what that, what that train wreck looked like. Mm-hmm. And it, it looked exactly like a train wreck. But uh, um, as far as Dark Phoenix goes, because for one thing, it doesn't really seem like New Mutants. Um, I haven't really read a whole lot of New Mutants, mm-hmm. but it's not like a horror story. That's not what it is. So it seems like they're botching that adaptation. Again, I don't know if Hollywood has to go, you know, directly from the source. I'm okay with that. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, sure. You can deviate. Right. And you have to deviate in order to make it sellable to the general but, but public. It's, it's in terms of like, do the deviations work? Does the adaptation work? Do you right. get enough of the story across that it's not pandering to to the nerd fans? Right. But like, it's also telling a convicting story. Like, mm-hmm. like the Captain America Civil War is one of my favorite entries of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But they're adapting like a series of like a a big Marvel event in the comics, and I mean like. Right. Like there's the main Civil War comics that you can read, and then all the characters involved have their own like singular, like comics mm-hmm. that tell more to the Civil War story. That's a whole lot of stuff to condense and to say we're just going to tell a two and a half hour version of it, and these are the people that we're going to use. Right. But they pulled it off. Oh yeah, and I think that's uh, I mean maybe genius is too far, but there's oh, the no the Rus- the Russos are are probably some of the most talented filmmakers that are that are working right now. Right, and then that. Uh, you know, caters to the intelligence of of what the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe has done is they've taken the properties that they've had that no one cared about, um, from a, especially from a fandom level. No, like Iron Man. Exactly. Made Tony uh, Stark a household name. Yeah, old shellhead. Nobody, nobody. You know, you you might be able to you know get 10 people on the street and get two of them to pick out which one's iron man out of the list marvel got people to be upset about a plot point involving the mandarin yes yes and and uh, did a a fantastic job on it and uh so that's something that that marvel has always been very very good at is is making two-dimensional characters or low interest characters they've had they've had villain problems but yeah but the villains don't they can't all be Killmonger and the Vulture. Right. Loki. Right. Thanos. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have another uh, cast about uh, movies that people think are pretty good that I don't think are good. Oh, you, so, weren't, you weren't into Infinity War? No, I just wasn't that into Black Panther, to be honest with you. No, I mean, so. like, I, like I, liked, I liked Black Panther, but mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, I can see where you're coming from. Right. Um, but, but like, in terms of, so that's, that's the deal with New Mutants. In terms of Dark Phoenix, they've had a crack at this storyline before. And I've literally only seen X3 the one time, and that was enough. I went and saw it in theaters and walked out of it like, well, that was shit, and I never watched it again. Yeah, um, you know, X, X3 X brought a little bit of the uh, Dark Phoenix saga to life. What I'm worried about is Dark Phoenix is more of a... a selling point than it is the actual storyline yeah um it's like we're just going to put that brand on it like don't right. you want to see the dark phoenix it's right. that big thing that happens in the x-men comics right and 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 you know that's the nail on the head right there sam is is why even call it dark phoenix when it doesn't seem like dark phoenix it seems like you know genes having mental problems right and and that's definitely what it was in x3 right like because they just kind of shoehorned it in at the end sure um and now they're now they're making just the full-fledged we're not going to be shy about it we're going to call this movie dark phoenix right 
But I remember, I, I really enjoyed uh, Days of Future Past. I yes, thought that was one of film. those, oh yeah, it's one of those movies where it, like, it takes elements of the story and it mm -hmm. takes enough of it that you can recognize a lot of yeah. it. And it tells it in a very efficient way. Yeah, I think it's a little over two hours, and mm -hmm. like the in terms of pacing, like right. it never slows down. It's always moving forward, and like, but it's not confusing. Right, like you're able to follow all the stuff that happens. It's not convoluted. Yeah, Future Past is, is you know is in the, you know the top ten of of X Men stories. Oh, and, top five, uh, I'd say. Yeah, and and you know so is is the Dark Phoenix Saga. You know. Yeah, Dark and, Phoenix Saga might be their biggest story. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you you work into a, a a couple other things um but for the most part you know the extinction agenda um is another one that that comes up that was a a, a big you know x-men crossover between everything like that and maybe those will be more explored now that we have you know options of these uh different uh studios being able to cross over to each other i mean yeah soon enough, soon enough disney's gonna own it all so right as far as adaptations go i think it should be noted about uh what we're looking at with uh, the Punisher, the Netflix who, series. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we will mention that, but we're looking at our fourth incarnation of the Punisher. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the original was uh, the Dolph Lundgren. Mm -hmm. uh, then after that was the Thomas Jane, which, in you know, all regards to Barenthal for a two-hour film, the Thomas Jane one I, I think is is fantastic, and and uh, you know keeps getting better every time I watch it. Are you referring to the one with uh, John Travolta as the bad guy? Yes, that's oh, the one. Man. No, it, I'm, I'm telling you, you keep watching that movie again and again, and it's better and better every time. If you say so. I hear I hear Warzone's really good. Um, I, I have never sat down to watch that one, but I hear people people laud that as like that's the that's the it doesn't get the credit that it deserves in yeah. terms of the Punisher portrayal. There's I think there's problems in casting. Um, they you know if you watch the the TV show Rome on HBO, uh, they they pulled the guy that plays Titus Pullo to uh, and he also plays Firefly in the GI Joe series. Um, in order to be the Punisher, and I, I just don't buy him as Frank Castle. Mm -hmm. um, and which, coincidentally, if you know, you showed me a, a, a picture, I wouldn't pick Thomas Jane, but he does what he's supposed to do in in uh, in the uh, again John Travolta bad guy one. The John know? Travolta bad guy one. Um, but it, it, the thing I, I like about that one is it has a comic book flair to it. There's there is. These, it is shot in certain moments. The characters are a little glitchy and over the top, almost, uh, you know, a Punisher version of Dick Tracy where, the, you know, the, mm -hmm. yeah, the Rebecca Romaine uh, character living in this apartment building and Thomas Jane moving in and there's a popsicle scene that is uh, it, it's, it's gonna It's always going to be her role in, uh, in X-Men <laughs> that did it for me. That was it. Yeah, yeah. But so so that's, one of those, that's, that's one of those movies that, that at least you feel that... Um, that, that kind of over-the-top comic book quality holds up. Mm -hmm. uh, conversely, around the same time, that's whenever those original Fox Fantastic Four movies were coming out, right. not the one that was shot in like 89, no, 90, no, no. and then never yeah. came out. But, yeah. but we're talking like Captain America is... Uh, Chris the, Evans. The fire guy. Yeah, Chris Evans is Human Torch. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then the, uh, the guy uh, Jessica, from what? Jessica Alba was still relevant at the time. Right, so was the guy that played the commish that uh, was the thing. I didn't. I didn't have too many issues with the uh, with the first Fantastic Four. Um, the Silver Surfer got you. Uh, yeah, and, and it, it seemed like they ran out of money, if if you want to call it that, because they didn't give us Galactus. Yeah, that's he's what, like a big cloud, right? Something like that, and that's one of those where it's like I get that you that you have to make a change. Like if you can't portray this, right? Like you have to do something. But like I don't know how the creative process wouldn't have just been. Well, I guess we'll go with a different bad guy. 
Yeah, you know, and then on the on the flip side, if you want to, you know, look at Fox versus versus Marvel. Here, Marvel is de- dealing with Doctor Strange and working through it creatively in order to give us what magic looks like and, you know, what a celestial being looks like and how that works. With and so, Dormammu. Exactly. You that, was, know, that was a fun scene. It, absolutely. Dormammu. Benedict Cumberbatch, by the way, also plays Dormammu. Oh. If you yeah. didn't know. I did not know that. I yeah, did so not. That's, I know. that's just him arguing with himself. I know he does a great job as as Smog apparently in uh, one of the Peter Jackson. Uh, yep, yep. He's the he's the dragon. Right. He, he actually got in a green scene, green screen suit, and crawled around the floor acting like a dragon for that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways. So, but yeah, how you handle things like that and and how you present it to us um, is is very very important. And and when you do make an adaptation and do make changes, um, it it still needs to be sellable. Right. Um, it has to work in the end. Right. Green Lantern. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's unsellable in 90% of the movie. And then you have Deadpool, um, one of those where it's, it's like it also tells an origin story, but right. like you buy into the origin story. It's a fun story to go along with. Okay, and, and with Comic Book Canaan and everything like that, Deadpool has evolved so much since oh, his... Oh, from the first series? Well, from his, his initial introduction in, in New Mutants 98, because he, he wasn't written as he is now of, of breaking the no the, he he eventually got to that point right yeah right so that is again having an intelligent creative staff or creative writers that are they're putting these movies together that says let's take the meat and potatoes let's take the the core and the essence of what this character is and rift on that in order to to make a good story that again has happened in you know the Nolan Batman films that has happened uh well, we'll take the 89 Batman to look at what the core of this character is and then, you know, let whoever the director is or, or, you know, the production designers, let Tim Burton tell his version of the story. Oh yeah. So maybe, especially Batman returns. That is a Tim Burton movie that happens to have <laughs> Batman in it. That is, that is what that is. But let's see, are, are there any other big ones that we, that we need to touch on before we wrap this up? I don't know if there's any necessarily, large ones but i think it's important to remember there's, there's a lot of small ones when you're looking at uh you know obviously league of extraordinary gentlemen is is a uh comic book movie uh v for vendetta is a comic book movie. Oh, and i was gonna say there's a handful of those out there that they are based on on uh, comic ip right and but you wouldn't know it because it's not a dc or a marvel or exactly really and that's it as far as i mean they're the, they're the big ones they're the big guys right uh you know a movie like 300 or or sin city uh you know i don't know if if people necessarily understand that that these properties are coming from mm-hmm. comic books and uh i and would hope those are frank miller properties i believe yeah they, they both are uh now that doesn't necessarily mean that frank miller can make a good movie Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we know that from the spirit. Thank you. A deep cut there. Right. And I believe he also, this is the interesting part, is uh, he wrote RoboCop 2. Oh, um, man. Which is, is horrendous. Yeah, there's one good RoboCop movie. There's, yeah. There's just one good one. And he's he's come out in interviews and said uh, that's why he left Hollywood until uh, for some, you know, happenstance, him and Robert Rodriguez were able to get together and... and uh, and do Sin City. That's a um, that's a actually a neat little story. Robert Rodriguez shot you know that that uh that sequence with the red dress and uh, yeah not Colin Farrell that other guy Josh Hartnett mm-hmm. um yeah the that, se- the movie. that that sequence he shot that without Frank Miller's permission sent him 
the 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 reel for it uh-huh. and said, "Watch this. Let me know if if I can make the rest of it. If you hate it, then I'll destroy it. it right. Never see the light of day. But just watch it and let me make the rest of it, please. Right. And he, and he watched that and he said, "I'll help you make it if I can if I can work on it with you." And that's how it happened. And crazy successful. Oh Maybe. yeah. Well, the first one's great. The second one I was not as into. Like the like the one story that was already like written that mm-hmm. is actually taken from a graphic novel. That was a good story. Right. Yeah, the other two were originals for the movie, and I yeah. didn't like either one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I think that whenever you're dealing with these comic book adaptations, is is that it's important to go to, back to the source and see why these characters are doing this and why Hollywood has has chosen these particular stories. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually really glad that we got into some of those more obscure ones before we got to the end of this. But I think we got a lot of really good talk out of that. We got a lot of lot of new information out there. Definitely a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of. I don't know. I just, I, I had a great time talking. Uh, thank you so much for coming by. Absolutely. I'd love to be back. Once again, this is, uh, this is local, local artist and comic aficionado Dave Bain. And my name is Sam. We are brought to you by Movie Night Autopsy, and you've been listening to The Minute. Thank you so much for listening, and if you have anything that you want to add to the conversation, be sure to do so. If you're leaving a comment below, or you're hitting us up across the webs, just make sure that you reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is The Minute, brought to you by Movie Night Autopsy. What's up, crew? If you got any idea of what you would like for us to talk about on The Minute or on Movie Night Autopsy Podcast, hit us up on the social medias. You can hit us up on Twitter at Movie underscore Autopsy. Check us out on Facebook at Movie Night Autopsy. Always feel free to email us, contact at MovieNightAutopsy.com.